Today's uh, message is called Sin, Sin's Effect. Uh, we're going to find ourselves in the Psalms, uh, chapter 51. As you're, you're turning there, uh, even as we speak about uh, that heaviness and, and sometimes feeling overwhelmed and, and a lot of things coming our way, often uh, it is tied into relationships. We, we, we find that in our relationships, at times, they can be disrupted. And depending on the, the closeness of that relationship, that disruption could be greater in our lives. Uh, sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes uh, it is our spouses, and uh, sometimes it's God. So when there is a break in fellowship, it does something uh, to us for many different reasons. But one of the things that we uh, hopefully have also experienced in our lives is the coming back together after there was some sort of disruption in our relationships. And all of these things are so closely tied to sin and its effect. So again, we are finding ourselves this morning in Psalms chapter 51. I'll be reading out of the ESV. And would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Psalm chapter 51 reads this way. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inner inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O oh God, O oh God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings then bowls will be offered on your altar. Oh God, 
receive this day, Lord, our offerings, Lord, and give us this day our daily bread, Lord. We ask that you would help us, Lord. We so need you, even the way sometimes a young one needs to be fed by their parent. We need you. Some days we need you to hand feed us, Lord. Would you do that this day, Lord? We live by the words that proceed from your mouth, O oh God. We need to be nourished and refreshed. We need darkness to be dispelled by light and truth to come forth and that the lies that we are so often inundated with to be put down, Lord. Would you do that this day, Lord, as we sit under your word, Lord? Give each one of us what our need is for this day. All glory, praises, and honor we give you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated, family. We often have enemies, and obviously in having enemies, we have a, a, a list of what and, and is our biggest enemy. Our biggest enemy is sin. Sin has been defined as any failure to conform to the moral law of God and act an attitude or nature. When we sin, it affects many things. First and foremost, the greatest effect that sin has is on our relationship with God. As believers, our standing before God is unchanged for eternity. We have been adopted. Know that. We are his children, and that truth stands and always will. But at the same time, sin disrupts our fellowship with God. It disrupts our fellowship with God and it can also damage our Christian life. In Isaiah 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Our greatest enemy is sin. There are two types of people in the world. It's not male and female. It's not black and white. It's not Democrat and Republican. The two types of people are the saved and the lost. When we consider that we were once lost and now are saved, that should bring us great joy. But at the same time, sobriety about the condition of the loss should always be considered. What we've been rescued from and that there are many that are in that place. The scriptures tells us that in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 9 that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Wow. This is the effect of sin. This is the effect of sin for the loss, eternal destruction. 
But while on earth, there is also an effect of sin. It affects every single aspect of life. Our desires, our fears, our intimacy, our trust. It affects our emotions as well. Sin affects our emotions by having us feel guilt, fear, pride, emptiness, hopelessness. All of these things are from sin and it affects things deep within us. And even amongst the children of God, there is a continual internal struggle. There's a battle of the will. It is the battle between our will and God's will. So even for the believer, this takes place. There are spectrums, right? So uh, as we mature, as we are sanctified, as we put our trust in God, we continually submit our will to his. As we do that, there are different levels that sin affects each one of us. So there are some that are blood-bought believers, but their will is guiding and leading their lives. The prayer is, as we mature, as we learn to trust God, as our intimacy with God develops, that more and more God is in every single area of our lives. Because these things greatly affect how we live day to day. It affects your joy. It affects your peace. It affects your hope. It affects your faith. It affects your intimacy with God. It affects how and what you find from him to be pleasurable. How we walk with him is affected by this. How obedient we are is affected by this. The quality of time that we spend with the Lord. All of these things are affected. Even the quantity of time that we spend with the Lord. So we can never treat sin, our biggest enemy, as if it's not a big deal because we are well acquainted with it. We're born into a world that was sinful. That does not mean that it's any less our enemy. Actually, it is the cause of so much that is going on inside of us and out there. Sin is the major factor of these things. So we're talking about both original sin, like what um, David was speaking about when he's talking about being conceived into sin from his mother, and we're talking about the practice of sin in our daily lives. When we uh, view the Bible, the whole Bible is about sinless man becoming a sinner and God redeeming him. We see the effects of sin right from the beginning in Adam's life. The immediate response to sin in his life was fear, was self-preservation, was distance in relationship, was shame of his nakedness and trying to hide his nakedness, not only in a physical sense, but even the exposure of his new heart and the condition that he was in. Immediately, there was a hiding from God. And when we think of the unregenerated man, this is their perpetual state. Just, just think about that for a minute. This is where they live day in and day out. This was us before we knew the Lord. But then you also have the Christian. 
and so many that are riding on the fence, wanting uh, both lives, there will always be great turmoil when you want some of God and some of the world. Because what that causes more than anything else is pain. It is good pain, though. It is actually a grace of God that you receive pain in that state because God is turning you away, allowing you to recognize you will not be satisfied here. Not only will you not be satisfied here, it will bring pain. That is a grace from God. So even as this affects our emotions, we have to understand our emotions are an indicator. It is not our guide. So many live in this space, and so many scriptures speak to this. The Bible tells us, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy to God. The scripture tells us you cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. The scriptures tells us no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. When Elijah went on that mountain to have that battle. The scripture tells us Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. You can never live life as a double agent with God. You can never stay between two opinions. When we do that, there's uh, so many things that happens to the believer and in the life of the believer. David spoke about that many times before uh, he repented after he sinned in multiple Psalms, in, in Psalm 6 and 6, it says, I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. Psalm 32, 3 says, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Psalm 38.3 says, There is no soundness in my body because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have flooded over my head. They are, burden, they are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Our suffering because of sin has eternal things on the inside, internal things that go on in our hearts, but it also affects others. It also affects the heart 
that we have for others. It also does things to others that are around us. So even as a deacon race spoke about 9-11, we don't live outside of community. So when things like that happens, it affects us all. That happens on a big scale when something like that takes place, but it happens in all of our circles. When we are going through something in here, it affects all the people around us. So even as David and his first issue was his lack of fellowship, the break in fellowship between him and the Lord, it didn't only affect him. What he did affected Bathsheba. What he did affected the child that would die. What he did affected his household all the way through his life. What he did affected the nation. When we have these internal struggles, that affects everything. So it's not only the internal battle that's going on, but it is all of these things. We um, suffer the consequence of living in a sinful environment. We both sin and we are sinned against. And all of those things is part of the Christian heart. Going back to this making a determination on where we are going to stand. One of the things we have to come to terms with is the recognition that the whole counsel of God is true. We often want to take the Bible and we live out part of the Bible in our lives and then choose in other areas to change what it says, not acknowledge what it says, and not allow it to take its effect in our lives as we should. Because we don't live in a vacuum, there are so many things that we are challenged with all the time. If you were here last week, in first service, one of the things that we saw is two men who came in and had an outward expression of a sinful life. And then even to come up and to take communion, the whole counsel of God is true. We are all challenged with these things all the time. The thing is, this is a external thing that we see and they come up and take communion. But in the hearts of many, there are all kinds of things going on on the inside that is just as sinful, but we don't necessarily see it. There are so many things to unpack there, but this is the generation that we live in. This is a demonstration of those that are lost. That's in our families. That's in our communities. That's in our church. What are we going to do? When there becomes an outward expression of sinfulness, knowing that they are just as lost as people that are doing things in the dark. One, the church has to stand, whether it be in your family, a friend, or someone walking in this door. This is what God's word says, and it doesn't change. But that also has to be done in love. Do we ask someone to leave? Do we tell them, don't touch that? No. Those are the things for God to deal with. Now, 
If someone is consistently coming here, you address it. But the word of God needs to be heard. The word of God never returns to him void. It always accomplishes what he sends it to do. And our hearts in the church, what we have to understand is these kind of things are the prevailing issue of the day everywhere out there. You're going to face these things in all of these different areas. It affects us all. But as the church, we are to love. And when I mean the church, I mean here. I mean you, the church, out there. Because even us as individuals, we are the church. So we hold to truth. Because not to speak truth is to celebrate what someone is doing and allow them to just march on their way to hell. The loving thing when someone is doing wrong is to warn them how depends on the situation that you're in and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But it is so important for us in all of these areas to say, no, 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 this is the church's stance because I don't want anyone to be confused. But at the same time, we are called to love. We all have things in our lives that God is still working on. We want his truth proclaimed. And there's a balance between that and having to protect the church, having to protect your home, the standard that you're going to live by, what you're going to allow and what you don't. But I know the answer is not closing the door when you're the light, leaving them in the darkness. That's not the answer. We got to work these things out in our hearts and our minds before the Lord. But this is an effect of sin when it comes to all of these different relationships in our life. When Nathan the prophet came after David had gone into Bathsheba and he gave a divine message that aroused the dormant conscience of David. The greatness of his guilt brought him to the place where he wrote Psalm 51. He had forgotten who he was as the psalmist as the one after God's own heart while he indulged the flesh. God's people at times find themselves in that place. But after he was confronted with his sin, he returned to playing the harp. He returned to desiring his intimacy with God. As God's children, it is sin that breaks fellowship. And that is never a place where we are going to feel comfortable by God's grace. That is never a place where we are going to have continual joy. That is never a place where we are going to feel complete. No, we will be overwhelmed and overwhelmed and overwhelmed emotionally, situationally, because of the consequence of living in that state until we turn around, until we return to the Lord. So often we find ourselves as believers in this place. And David found himself there. And when he came to that place, he recognized, I've lost my intimacy with God. And he had to return. The first thing that he declared was, God, have mercy on me according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my 
transgressions. Remove that from my record, God. Then he asked to be washed thoroughly from his iniquity and to be cleansed. More than, hey, God, can you remove this from my record? He asked, God, clean me. Because even if you are freed from what you did and the consequence is removed and you're forgiven, there's still something that took place on the inside where we need to be cleaned. And, and he didn't ask only, hey, don't allow me to suffer the consequence of what happened on a human level. No, God, I need to be restored to you. This break in intimacy is doing something in my heart and my mind and my daily living. I can't, even my body is being affected by this. So often when we think we're going to walk this line and have a little bit of God, you know, just enough to be blessed, just enough to stay safe, but also we're going to have some of the world too. That's never going to work. That is never going to put us in a place where we feel satisfied, where we're full, where we're walking in the joy of the Lord. He states, I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. If our sin is not before us, how can we even confess it to God? We, we try the best we can to suppress it, to, to do what we do, and, and I'm not going to think about it. Uh, I'm going to make my prayers mechanical. I'm not going to, to take it to the Lord. I'm looking not to face it. Hey, let it just, just go away. But he was confronted with it. He could not go on living the way he was living. He could no longer suppress it. He had to come clean to God. And that's the only way we are going to be back in proper fellowship with him. And he says, against you and you only have I sinned. Yes, we injure our fellow man because we violated the law of God. But really what we've done is we've committed treason in the court of the king and before his eyes. Only the believer, only the child of God even cares that we violate God. We offend God in his presence. All we can do is confess when the judge is also the witness. The one we have to come to is also the one that was standing right there and saw the violation. The text goes on to say, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me which is a complete confession. No, not only have I carried out this act, but I am sinful by birth, by nature, by the fall. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. God knows our thoughts before we even think, think them. He knows all of our motivations. Matter of fact, he's the only one that does in us anything that is good. Is not from within ourselves. It's from the presence of the Holy Spirit that all of these things flow. It says, teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Help me to live in reality. Some of us so often don't want to live in reality. Help me to live in sincerity. Help me to live in holiness, God, because there's only God that can do that. God sees the inward, and God sees the outward. 
that's going back to what I said before. No, there's a lot of things going on in all of our hearts. But when it comes to taking communion, you may find yourself in a place that you don't want to be. But that's why we reflect. That's why we pray. That's why before we take communion, you have an opportunity to make it right. As God's children, we sin daily. We are invited to the Lord's table when we are transparent. When we make a mistake, that doesn't stop us from taking communion. It's when we are living a sinful lifestyle. That should put the brakes on. Or when we have some deep issue that is in the forefront of our minds where it says, hey, leave your offering at the altar and go reconcile with your brother. But each one of those things are what we are to ponder while we're sitting there before we take communion as a family. At the same time, recognizing it is not us putting ourselves through a litmus test of am I worthy? No, you're not. And neither am I. But because of the blood of Jesus and the relationship that we have with him is where we can come to this place. So the text goes on and says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was used when a person with leprosy would come to the priest to be considered clean. We know that that hyssop, uh, for us to be washed, for us to be whiter than snow, comes from the blood of Jesus. As we have that, it says, let me hear joy and gladness. It says, hide your face from my sins. It says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. As we come to the Lord, these things can be done. We don't have to stay in that perpetual state as the lost does in a place where we don't have the presence of God. It says, cast me not away from your presence. That's our prayer. When, when, when David knew he had to pay that consequence, he wasn't concerned because he was going to pay a heavy consequence. Said, okay, God, what I need, what I desire is your presence, Lord. Don't take your spirit away from me, oh God. And that must always be our prayer. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, God. I, help me to remember the time when I was lost and you opened my eyes and I was able to see it. I said, oh God. Thank you for rescuing me and the joy that came along with that. That's what we want. We don't want to walk out this life casually, not re remembering what God has done in the time when he met us, when we were down and out and going down for the last time. It says, once you do that, Lord, then I will teach the transgressors, your ways, and the sinner will return to you. So often we think, I'll witness to someone when I have my good testimony to tell them, no, 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 no. You know how we know we loved? Because even as God's children, we mess up and we mess up bad and he loves you still. It doesn't jeopardize your position. He restores you back. When David did what he did and repented, that's when he learned what kind of God of grace and mercy is this. I'm worse than the last king. But you call me a man after your own heart because my desire is to know you and to be intimate with you. And that's all that matters. No matter what else this life brings, there's nothing else that I desire. He says, I'll teach them your ways. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and let my mouth, my mouth will declare your praise. 
no matter where we find ourselves this morning, whether it be on the mountaintop or in the valley, whether we have been deep in sin and have not yet repented of it or in the midst of a stronghold, it is to God that we need to cry out to because we will not find satisfaction until we do. And it is found nowhere else. Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield and him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts with my song. I give thanks to him. Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but the Lord God is my strength and my heart and my portion forever. Philippians said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Isaiah 12, 2 says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. Romans tells us, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We have to pray often for reconciliation. We have to pray often for, uh, to be restored a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of renewal of joy. Not only, Lord, will you forgive me, but return to me the joy that I once had in you. Increase my joy and a heart of wisdom. What I went through, Lord, let me learn. Let me grow in my sanctification. I want to look more like your son, Lord. I want full restoration so I would be in your, your divine favor. You can come up, please, Heather. 1 John 1 and 4 says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to you. That which you have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy is complete when we are in right fellowship with the king. And one of the things that happens when our joy and our fellowship is complete in him, is our fellowship with one another will be joyous. Joy can be restored. For the children of God, being rescued from sin, this deepens our love for the Lord. This brings us to a place where we know I've messed up and I've messed up again and I've messed up again. And God says in the midst of that, you're my child. That deepens 
our love for him. That should bring us to a place of greater joy despite what we're going through today. Maybe we caused it. Maybe it's just one of those things that we're facing because we live in life. We can have a great joy knowing what God has done, which should give us great hope and confidence in what God is going to do. If you're in a place today where you recognize your joy has been robbed, whether it's because of your unrepented sin, whether it's because you've repented and don't really embrace the fact that you are forgiven, whether it's because the sin of others that you love is so consuming you that is robbing your joy. I'm here to tell you that John said, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. As found in fellowship in him, in fellowship in him, there is trust, there is hope, there is peace, that every single one of these things are in the king's hand who is sovereign over all. As I've watched them speak about Queen Elizabeth II, call her sovereign and call the king to come sovereign. And 70 years is a long time to reign. And to know that their family has reigned for almost a thousand years, it's nothing. There is one sovereign. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one king who reigns forevermore. Take great confidence and know that your joy can be complete in him. And let nothing rob it. Would you stand, family, so that we can pray? Father, we so thank you, Lord, that as a reminder that sin has done a work, but you are even using that because there's going to come a time where we are in your presence. And because of what you've brought us through and what you've saved us from, it would so increase our joy, our love, our understanding of how much you love us, Lord, that you would save us, the wretched, the lowly, the dirty, the defiled, Wash us with the blood of your son that you would purchase with your blood the church, us. Let nothing rob our joy. Sin should actually keep us broken at the, foot of your, at the foot of your cross, recognizing our need for you, but it should give us great joy because we know that you've conquered death and the grave, that you've conquered sin, Lord, that we are the redeemed, that we will not always live in this state, but even while we're here, you've given us a down payment of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. so that we would have hope in the midst of hopelessness, that we would have peace in the midst of the battle, that we would have love in the midst of the world that is so full of hate. Let not unrepented sin, let not living in an environment where there is sin close to us and all around us, even a sin in our own hearts, Lord. Because when you've cleaned, you cleaned us white as snow. 
Let the one that heard this message today, Lord, that does not have that hope, recognize that you died for them too. Just like we as your children need to come clean and say, forgive us, Lord. Wash us, Lord. Restore the joy of our salvation. They can have salvation in you this day. As they bring everything that they are to the foot of your cross and say, ask for forgiveness. To repent and to accept your free gift of salvation that you've purchased on the cross by paying the price for those that put their trust in you, that they could have this joy living in your presence and forevermore declaring their freedom from sin, themselves to be a child of God, and even calling themselves clean. Thank you, Lord, that you cleaned us. We couldn't clean ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you call us holy. Thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence, right into your throne room as children. There is no place we'd rather be, Lord. Fill us with that joy, Lord. Give us the strength and resolve to go on knowing it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Refresh, Lord, the soul that needs to be refreshed, Lord. Encourage, Lord, those that are discouraged, Lord. Bring peace to those that are in turmoil. Dispelling lies with the truth of who you are. Oh, God, we are forever grateful, and we thank you that this good work that you started in us, we have such a confidence that you are bringing it to completion. We're not who we used to be. We're new. We're clean. We're yours. You're going to keep us. You're making us look more like your son. And his work will be completed in the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.